And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey folks, welcome into On Waveland, presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. This is the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. We call it Onto Waveland because you see sometimes home runs at Wrigley Field will go out of the ballpark onto Waveland, if you've never picked that up. We could have called it onto Sheffield. We could have, but there are more righties than lefties. And I think it's a little, I think it's actually a little harder to reach Sheffield. That's, that's pretty rare. That's a rarity given the, the design of the ballpark. I feel like Adam um, Dunn is who I think of when, when onto Sheffield would be Adam Dunn. I don't know why, but that's who I think of on the well, Reds. I mean, he isn't he like the only guy who reached the river in Cincinnati also, which it's like it's not like Pittsburgh or San Francisco where like if you crush it, you can get it there. In Cincinnati, you can't you should not be able to do that. And yeah. he has done that. <laughs> or Brett, um, if you're about to get traded, the Cubs might call for a town car that would arrive on Waveland and your car would be left <laughs> in the player parking lot on Waveland and they would after they you, would send send your stuff. To a different city where they're trying to win baseball games. Yes, that is what we had in mind when we named this a few years ago. We were like, one of these days, Cubs are going to be sellers, and uh, that is where everyone will exit after their hugs. Uh, you know what? We can start it up there because it was it was the buzzy thing that happened, and it's like, you know, this time of year, it's going to happen. People are going to go nuts. So opening game of this Cardinal series, uh, Chris Bryant is pulled, uh, you know, partway into the game. And of course, everybody buzzes. And the joke on Twitter is, oh, did he get any hugs when he went out? Did he get any hugs? And I think realistically, though, it was more a question of, okay, is he hurt? Because we'd seen he made a diving play earlier in the game. He had run deep into the corner on a double. And, you know, you expect that the Cubs would be overly cautious with injury concerns right now, but what's difficult to suss out in these situations in the run-up to a trade deadline is to what extent is a team being overly cautious and it's just like, hey, he's fine, but we're just you know being cautious versus no, there's actually a real issue here, but we kind of don't want to talk about it publicly for obvious reasons. And I, I think, you know, if the Cubs are doing their job at all, I don't know that we're going to know the answer to that until you just sort of see what plays out. But I'm curious what you guys were thinking when that was happening. And I'm sure you were seeing what was happening on Twitter and um, just your thoughts in general about this balance that teams have to engage in when you're so close to a deadline, you know that there's a high likelihood that a particular player may draw sufficient interest to be traded. And so you don't want to signal to the world, ah, he's hurt. But you also need to protect him for the purposes of those trade talks. And it's it's just a spot we haven't been in as followers of the Cubs for seven years. And it's something they haven't 
dealt with um, in, in the same period of time. Yeah, I mean, what when the second he left the game, when we saw Ian Happ heading out to the outfield, you know, the press box kind of looked at each other, and we all kind of assumed, like, okay, this is he's banged up in some way. Like it just, it just seemed too early for a trade. Uh, when it took a little while for the announcement to come, that's when we're like, okay, let's just do our due diligence type of thing, and some texts were sent out, but you know, there was never really uh, any any real buzz that it was a, a trade outside of people making assumptions on Twitter, right? So we, we kind of knew what was going on. It was just about, like, what is the, is this something significant? Is this something new? Is this the hamstring? Was did when he dove? What, what was it? Uh, when, when we got the hamstring fatigue uh, announcement, you know, I think a lot of people are like, what is that? What the hell does that mean? And that sounds kind of like nonsense. I, I'll say this. I'll, I'll say if <laughs> if it's all kind of like made up or or just like not or or they're playing it down. They're doing a really good job of doing like a preemptive strike because in pregame before that before that game before Brian exited, Ross was talking about. How I asked him specifically, "Hey, uh, Nico was double switched and then sat out all of yesterday's game. Are you just being extra cautious with the with the hamstring after the return from the hamstring? And he said yes. And he said and he talked. He gave a long answer about like uh, hamstring issues. You have to be extra careful. And he talked about how the training staff has been looking into this. And, and air travel really exacerbates the situation. It's not that it makes the injury worse. It's just like it can trigger something in a sense. I'm, I'm kind of playing loosely with the words. This isn't a direct quote, but it can kind of trigger something in, in the body where it's like, okay, now you're at a higher risk to get hurt after being, uh, after recovering from this injury type stuff. So they were being cautious with Nico and he used a word like we keep track of yards or something like that. David Ross said, we keep track of yards. We kept keep track of sprints, all this stuff. They keep, they have all this data and even, so, uh, one of the reporters kind of joked, like, who's your leader in all purpose yardage then? And, and he, and he immediately said, you know, it's, it's Chris Bryant. And, and he talked about Bryant a little bit and, and just like, he's, he's running all over the place. He didn't have an all-star break. He's playing all over the field. He's, he's running first to third. He's doing all these things. And he's also coming off a hamstring issue, right? So, so he said it before the game. And then after the game, he's like, this is what I was talking about. This is why I wanted to sit him on, I'm tra- I'm losing track of days, but on Wednesday, uh, that, that was the plan originally. Uh, pre-game yesterday on Wednesday, we, we talked to him again about it. And it was what I'm kind of, uh, where I'm feeling they're like holding back is why did they pull him in the middle of that game? And he said it. It was just ex- being extra cautious. His legs were heavy. Well, did he say something or did he do something? No, it was more the training staff saying, you know, he's been running ar- uh, around a lot today. Maybe it's time to be cautious. My when when I hear all that, I think that's being extra cautious because you're. This is a huge asset as far as the trade deadline goes. That's not. That doesn't seem like a normal behavior if it's not a trade deadline situation right maybe i'm let me can i just put a fine point on that for a moment not to cut you off and redirect this but what you're saying i'll I'll be more um uh, more put it more plainly were it any other month in any other season 
this is not how you would at all describe a situation where a guy gets pulled mid-game. In no universe would a guy be an important player in a game against your rival if it were competitive, all these things. It wouldn't be, well, you know, we just thought we were going to be preemptive in the middle of the game because he'd been running around a lot. That's that is never yeah. a thing. So it whether like Sahadi was saying, whether it's like, wow, they are being like over the top cautious about a potential trade asset, or there's more going on in the hamstring that they just don't want to get too deep into public discourse about. It has to be one of those things. Like it just it has to be because right. this is not normal. Part of me thinks like, what's the point of being so cagey about the injury? If I mean. It, you know, the guy's going to have to go through a physical anyways. It's not like teams don't know about the the issue, right? They're they're going to do – like, no team is going to be like, oh, we'll take your word for it. It's just fatigue. Sure. We won't even do the uh... – <laughs> I mean, you tweeted it from your official account, so <laughs> yeah. okay, we, we've got <laughs> So, yeah, I, I don't know. It is weird, and I'll give every – and I will not argue with anyone that wants to say it's all BS or, or anything like that. It's a very odd situation, and just pulling a mid-game and then – Saying, well, no, he didn't come to me and say my uh, uh, my my hamstring hurts. The the training staff kind of said something because I directly asked him. I'm like, did you see something that made you think like he was he, he re-injured it or or and and he said no. It was just you know the training staff kind of indicated that he's put like he's been running around a lot essentially. So that that type of thing you just don't hear. So it was a little odd, uh, but I think it is mostly just being super cautious about a guy that is likely going to be traded in the next, whatever, nine days. And Brad, don't you think it could be both that the Cubs are being uh, super cautious and that Chris Bryant might have something wrong with his leg? I mean, I'd say historically the Cubs have been pretty conservative with all of their injury timelines and treatment programs. I was talking to Ross the other day in Arizona, and he kind of laughed when I said, you know, you're now like – a load management expert like in the NBA because that has been one of the things he's really learned this year that's something that whether the front office is pushing it or just the way he's communicating with the rest of the staff like their high performance influence is definitely something uh that has filtered onto the major league club and look I think Chris Bryant um his injuries over the years have been kind of freak accidents like running hard to first base and twisting his ankle or you know getting hit in the head with a hundred mile an hour fastball or whatever it was I mean so I don't think it's on him but there's been lots of little things like this over the years that have kind of accumulated to where you know people wonder and um, maybe it's why he hasn't quite sustained an MVP level year in and year out and I wouldn't necessarily worry about his health uh, in August and September assuming this is you know, pretty minor, but it's part of the kind of um, overall picture that a team is looking at when they're trying to acquire Chris Bryant. So I don't doubt the Cubs exaggerate uh, injury situations and that they're not obsessively watching this to make sure that it doesn't turn into um, you know, a big thing. Um, and we're just going to kind of be guessing here until – Chris Bryant's on another team uh, by July 30th. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, so it's easy, I think, enough for us to discuss this stuff from the outside and, and ultimately end in a place like Patrick just said, where it's like, you know, it's probably a combination of a lot of things and we're not really going to know until something is done. And then I think it'll become more clear and we'll be I think we'll get a little bit of a backfill situation. But what I wonder, and this is to your point, Sahadev, you know, if it's the training staff kind of preemptively being like, you know, he's been running a lot. We're doing load management, blah, blah. What does that conversation look like with Chris Bryant mid game? You know, if he's not coming up and saying, yeah, I felt a little tightness and, you know, maybe, you know, I don't know, what should we do? If it's a, if it's truly a, well, we think we should get out ahead of this. When in reality, we know it is tied to the trade deadline. We know that. And surely Chris Bryant has to know that he's not an idiot. So I just wonder what that dynamic looks like in the dugout, in the clubhouse, where you are effectively telling a guy, yeah, we're babying you a lot because we might want to trade you. Like, I just, it's, it's awkward. I, I, I have no, what is that? Do you guys have any sense at all of like how that play, actually plays out for real humans in a real moment? Well, because this is a real like hamstring issue and they're not just like, well, we don't want you out there to get. Uh, injured at all and we're going to just say there's something going on with your hamstring i think they've been talking a lot about this between like ross and and bryant and the training staff so it was already known that he wasn't playing wednesday right he's looking for ways to get him off his feet as often as possible and right they came back right from a 6-1 deficit in that game uh, but i think at that point it was a 5-1 to one game when he was pulled I, I could be wrong maybe it was still a close game uh, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't close, but it still was a little, still was obviously weird that, that he was pulled, right? Like we all wondered what was going on. So it wasn't like yeah, he's it just wasn't, getting rest. I, yeah. I forget the, I forget the precise score, but it wasn't one of those where it's like, oh, well, obviously he's just getting extra rest in a, it, yeah. it wasn't that kind of situation. He was, he was due up second the next inning. It just didn't make any sense to, to do that. Uh, but it was totally, it, I think it if it I, I'm assuming it's not super awkward because there's these constant there's this constant dialogue of you're banged up in a certain way. We need to find ways to get you rest here and there. If I see anything or if the training staff says anything, we're going to be extra cautious. Uh, I mean, maybe Brian pushes back in certain ways. Sure. I don't know. But that's me speculating. I we haven't heard that. He, he we've been trying to talk to him, but obviously, you know, that doesn't always work out. Uh, so so we'll see. Uh, we'll see if he if he has anything to say in the coming days. But I, I he hasn't uh, he hasn't let it be known that he like, you know, Rossi keeps pulling me or sitting me and I want to be out there. So 
We haven't heard that. Yeah, put it on the running list of questions for the July 30th Zoom when he's at his <laughs> new team, I think. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just something that the Cubs have, you know, it's the Joe Madden uh, American Legion Week philosophy just moved up a little bit here. And Oh, Chris Bryant's a grown-up. He's making, what, like $20 million this year. He's going to go to uh, a team that's probably in first place, and then he's going to uh be what the number one free agent on the market or among the elite free agents who will be uh courted this winter i mean he does not strike me as someone who would uh disrespect uh management or be completely disagreeable about something like this i think um he's got a healthy respect for ross and i think this training staff uh, in this high performance department, and they've been empowered here. I think if you look at when Theo shook things up after I think it was the 2019 season, I mean, they're trying to be kind of forward thinking here and avoid, you know, we talked about this a couple episodes ago, and this is more of a kind of pitching freak thing, but I think it was like July 25th, 2012, of Matt Garza walking off the mound at Bush Stadium with an arm injury. I mean, that would really it'll blow up whatever plans Jed has for the trade deadline if Chris, you know, blows out his hamstring here. Well, so that raises a related point. What, you know, I was asking out of curiosity, what do we think the conversations are between David Ross and the trainers and Chris Bryant, but what are the conversations right now that Jed Hoyer is having with David Ross about these topics in advance? Because assuredly, while, the lineup, the in-game decisions, all of that. I genuinely believe that is David Ross's world. I, I think he really does control it. I don't think it's one of those phantom manager situations. But we know that Ross has been in the front office. We know that the relationship with Jed Hoyer in the front office is supposed to be this synchronous thing. And so I'm I'm wondering, is it just really frank? You know, is it just like, hey, just so you know, Rossi, we're we're going to be having conversations on this. So you do need to get out of head of, you know, if we see that the the load is increasing on Chris Bryant or, um, you know, maybe don't send Craig Kimbrell out for a second inning like last night. <clears throat> but <laughs> things like that, like what, you know, it can't just be that like Jed trusts that Ross knows, even though he probably does. It, like there's got to be dialogue about that, right? And which is probably new for both of them. Well, it's funny because we did recently ask Ross about like how often he's talking to Jed and he said he's like, you know, twice a week, which I think which I thought wasn't that much. I I really thought even like in normal times uh it, they talk more frequently and and I used to I thought like especially at home they regularly like come in and after a game and kind of do like a debrief of like okay, you use this guy, this guy, and this guy, we need to call up a reliever for this, like, or, like, what are you thinking about this? Here's what, like, just kind of do a deeper, like, that's what I thought happened, uh, at least, you know, semi-regularly. Uh, maybe he was playing that down when he told us, like, how often they talk, and he, he said, you know, he's been adamant that he doesn't really talk about the trade stuff with them. He's not, he's not really, that's not really his thing in his, uh, as far as he tells us, but, I'm assuming Jed sees the same information and and he's uh, in constant communication and and letting uh you know letting Ross know that hey we have to be ultra aware of this that and the other when it comes to someone's health. So 
I, I'd be shocked if, if there isn't some sort of hand in hand work there as far as when to play, you know, when to pull back on certain players, especially someone like Chris Bryant. And Brett, you're right. Like there were times, no doubt that Theo Epstein would have loved to have taken the lineup card from Joe Madden and written him out himself or had like some sort of like offensive coordinator quarterback headset where he could tell Joe exactly what to do. Uh, I am somewhat exaggerating that, but uh, I do believe that from Theo and Jed, I think they have drawn some pretty clear lines there that may not exist in other organizations where front offices have a heavier kind of hand. And, you know, Sadev, I think you're also right that after every home game that Jed's there, they're, you know, sitting in Ross's office, uh, maybe having a beer and just kind of breaking down what happened. And um, Ross likes it to be kind of on a need to know basis. Like he doesn't want like daily updates because it's just a, really distracting and doesn't give him like plausible deniability when he's dealing with like his players and his coaches. And once something is serious, it'll be presented to him, but kind of until then, and even if Jed's not there, he wasn't in in Arizona, but you know, one of his assistants will be there uh, in constant communication with Jed and Ross. So like, and like we said earlier, these, kind of uh ancillary figures like the head of high performance and athletic training like all those guys have been kind of given their marching orders and i think one of the strengths or what the cubs hope to be a strength moving forward is that ross is a collaborator and someone who kind of sees the big picture and someone who probably this offseason will be in chicago a lot like trying to figure out what the cubs need what they've lacked and what they should hold on to and kind of build around all right, last thing I wanted to get into today is something that um, I think is well-timed here, eight days out from the trade deadline. Uh, I was thinking about how uh, – I was what was I reading? I was reading an article about um, – it was at uh, CBS Sports, and I think it was RJ Anderson. And it was about the draft being moved back into July in pair with the All-Star break and how that has caused um, – considerable issues for scouting staff on teams based on the timing and in relation to the trade deadline and the inability to sort of allocate your resources in the way that you would want. We'll leave that aside for a moment, although I would encourage folks to read it because it's an interesting read if you're a nerd, um, which I am, and I hope most of you are. Uh, But what it got me thinking about is this reality for the Cubs and probably lots of other teams. I don't want to just say them, but we know what happened last year, right? Where they reduced their staff significantly in response to the pandemic. Uh, I don't know that they have re-staffed up in any meaningful way. Indeed, Jed Hoyer doesn't even have a GM right now. And I'm thinking about the Cubs, if they are, as we expect them to be, the sort of bell of the ball of the trade season. And if they have got to be able to make so many decisions in such a short amount of time where there is so much overlap among various teams, their needs, the scouting, the long-term, the short-term. I mean, when you really start digging in, these are really complex decisions. It seems very obvious, like, oh, trade this guy to this team for these guys. And no, these are very deep interrelated issues because there are 29 other teams that have their own motivations. And it's just a very complex thing. And what I'm wondering is if 
from a pure manpower standpoint, might the Cubs need to be a bit more aggressive in sort of getting some of the deck cleared uh, in terms of like making trades for, you know, and I know that again, it's not entirely within your control, but like, I don't know how you functionally handle all of these decisions if it actually goes to like the 28th, 29th and 30th of this month. And so I'm wondering, you know, you see the Jack Peterson deal happen very early, relatively speaking. And you wonder if it was a, mostly they dug the return. Um, but you wonder if in part it was, you know what? The Braves have made a good offer. It's acceptable. Let's just do it to clear one of those chairs so that we're not also focused on, okay, what can we get for Jack? Whose system do we need to scout? Who do we, you know, it's, it's one piece done so that it all doesn't get crammed at the end. And then you, then you are not able to have a good process and not able to make good decisions on organizational shifting decisions. Well, I think their expectation going in was that this is going to go down to the deadline by and large. Like that's how this industry kind of works in almost any kind of setting. And that uh, they've known for a while which direction they were going. I mean, the losing streak hadn't reached 11 games and they were already kind of pivoting and you know reallocating resources and adjusting their focus uh potentially you'd be packaging players and deals anyways and look i mean this is i think part of the fatigue around the cubs and some of the frustrations from the fan base and you know even internally of like you know they whacked at least what was it side of like seven scouts with pro scouting responsibilities in the middle of a pandemic. And as, um, you know, uh, callous as that was, you're seeing the real cost to this of now, you know, this is Jed's job. He's been preparing for this for like two decades. He's a grown up, like just do your job, make good decisions. That's what he always talks about. Stacking one good decision on top of another, but like, the long range consequences of, of what they did um, is being felt like immediately the next season when you're talking about like iconic players and what you're going to do. And you're short staffed. I mean, short staff was a phrase that a Cubs person used uh, when I was talking uh, with this individual the other day of like rewinding their off season and how they kind of move forward. It was, yeah, you know, we were pretty short staffed last year. And I think, I don't know if you necessarily saw it in uh, some of the signings that they made. That's not like an excuse. It's more of just the reality of what we're coming up upon here and that, you know, the Cubs build themselves as they were going to build this like superpower organization at, at every single level. And, you know, they were just absolutely decimated by what happened last summer. Yeah. I mean, uh, as far as what Pat Patrick kind of summed it up there, but it it certainly was felt uh, during the trade deadline, I think, and and it, I think the eleven game losing streak kind of kind of helped out, uh, m- made sure that they didn't have to kind of straddle the line between buyer being buyers and sellers, uh, because if they did, I don't think they had the resources to handle that as for from a scouting standpoint, uh, they they had to pick a lane. Uh, and and really go all in on one side otherwise it wasn't going to be they weren't going to be able to cover their bases in that sense so it's certainly an issue i don't think it's just a cubs issue but it, it you know that's who we're talking about and it's it's a 
something that came up and you know, I, I don't know if that's something that'll be addressed in as far as more scouts being hired down the line or if adjustments are going to be made all across baseball. I know we've talked, uh, I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast, but I've talked with others about how the draft is being changed. The pandemic changed the way scouting is being done with the draft and there is more video work being done, which is a little frustrating, I think, for scouts who, who appreciate the in-person looks and, and see real uh, value in that and, and see it as an advantage. So uh, I, I, you know, you have to wonder if that comes to pro scouting as well. Uh, it, it'd be unfortunate in my opinion, but I think, you know, this, this is just a, a direction that the game has been going for a while, actually. One more to- point. Oh, one more point too, Brett. I think the Cubs are probably gonna be waiting for a lot of teams that they don't know what they're doing, right? I mean, almost outside the Mets, sure. everyone in the National League East is just kind of like, well, we'll see where we are in seven or eight days. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's always the um, waterfall effect that just one little thing, like, or I shouldn't say one little thing, but like, for example, when Mike Rizzo says, yeah, probably Max Scherzer isn't going to be available, probably, you know, not. Oh my gosh, it's not at all hard to imagine how the trickle back effect that that could have on the entire starting pitching market and then probably other markets too as teams are like, well, you know, if if we might have a chance to get Scherzer later on, we'd rather wait. We don't really want to make other decisions and and so yeah, it, it is absolutely the case that not a lot of this is entirely within the Cubs control outside of like you guys said, their ability to um deploy their resources in the right way, make good decisions in advance of the deadline. So they're prepared to make quick decisions when the opportunities present themselves. And um, I do think about the fact that not only are they potentially short staffed now, but you're also in a situation where there was no minor league season last year. And so you have very little even opportunity to have eyes on a lot of the potential you know prospects that you're going to be looking at. And so I think there's going to be, unfortunately, as is, you know, uniquely powerful in baseball, a lot of luck involved in getting this right. We think about luck in terms of like batted ball where it just happens to land. Well, it's also probably going to be true in what prospects the Cubs are targeting right now. You have a good process in place. You try to make good decisions, but with so little information and so few eyes and brains to digest it right now, I think there's probably going to be some luck and, and that might make some of us uncomfortable as the next week proceeds. So, Speaking of which, uh, we will be back at you early next week with uh, the latest episode of On to Waveland. This is the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor. You can catch my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Patrick Mooney and Sahadev Sharma. Get their stuff, as always, at The Athletic, which you can get The Athletic app, by the way, where you can read their great stuff and listen to this here podcast whenever you like. But you can also get us wherever you get your podcasts, and you can tell your friends about that. We appreciate you listening so much. It'll be... uh, you know, it's going to be a weird week. We haven't been in this place, like I said, uh, for about seven years. And here we are. We're all kind of still readjusting to it. Uh, but all I want to say is I do want one set of hugs at least, right? <laughs> like, yeah, it's we haven't had this chance in a while. I just want to see one situation where it's like it doesn't have to be a major player. It could be sort of a, a lesser complimentary piece. But I want to see a damn hug and I want to be able to shout at my TV screen. That's a hug. That's a hug. So. That's that's what I'm looking forward to. So thank you all very much for listening. We will be back at you soon. Take care.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.